Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Retired College Athletes Podcast, a podcast designed to inspire and inform current and former athletes through stories and advice from retired college athletes. I'm your host, Sydney Mary, and today we have a podcast episode with Ali Kirshner. Her name may sound familiar, and that is because she has been on the podcast before. Her last episode was episode 57 called The Art of Coaching, and today we're coming back to you with very similar content, really more so advice for younger coaches. If you don't know our backstory, You should definitely go listen to episode 57. But ultimately, I crossed paths with Allie when I was a graduate student at the University of Kansas. I was on the women's basketball team, and she was a strength and conditioning coach there. At the time, I didn't really know her very well. I would see her, and I knew that she was a younger coach, but she carried herself with so much authority that I just really could not tell, to be honest. But we're two years apart in age, so that just kind of gives you some backstory on how young she was as a coach. With that said, she gives some really good advice in this episode about how to gain respect as a younger coach, specifically if you're working with athletes that are your age or older, how to gain the respect of your athletes in general, no matter what age you are as a coach, as well as dealing with athletes that have eating disorders as a coach who had an eating disorder. Very interesting. So if this is interesting to you, please stick around. This is such a great episode and I love chatting with her. So let's go ahead and hop into it and I'll talk to you guys on the other side. I think the transition out can be difficult for everybody, but then there are so many skills that we learn as athletes that are so beneficial that can be brought into other aspects of our life. And so can you just explain a little bit of your transition out, maybe that first like year out of college athletics? So I obviously had a slightly different experience than many because I I first stayed in college athletics. I, and this actually, I mean, it was difficult in the sense that I was now on the other side of things and that I was coaching what had been my peers. And so that presented a different set of challenges, but like it was all still stuff I knew, right? Like I knew how to be a part of a team. I knew how to wear sweats. I knew how to travel and be on the road with a team. I knew how to banter with colleagues, right? Like all of those parts came very naturally. So in that way, I wasn't like thrown into like the city life with a briefcase and, you know, a blazer and had to like navigate all office politics. But there was, you know, there was a transition in terms of like, okay, I'm no longer an athlete. And I do think I had a slight head start on that because Sydney, I was a total nerd. Like I knew from the start, I was not going to play professional soccer. I had no interest in that. I really set myself up with a lot of research in college. Like I knew I wanted to be somehow, some way, not in sports uh, for like, like a player myself. So it wasn't that like, I was like, oh my God, like, no, I'm not an athlete anymore. Like, I don't know what to do. It wasn't sort of that much that an identity crisis. It was more like, okay, how do I make this transition from athlete to coach where I, I think I struggle the most and just in terms of finding that balance and understanding how to now be um, a mentor and a leader for people when I was really their same age and their same, you know, I looked like them, I guess. Right. I think, I mean, that's specific like to coaching for sure. Cause I can only imagine coaching kids your same age and like them knowing that's, I think that's the hard part when they know. But I also think people run into that in corporate sometimes where you are the younger person and people are like, oh, I don't know, like, should I take her advice as what it is because she is younger For or sure. you may be managing up where you're managing older people and like gaining that respect. And so outside of like opening yourself up to be real with people, which I think is so important, specifically in coaching, 
Mm-hmm. What are some other things that you learned along the way that helped you kind of gain leverage or just gain respect in that sense in that part of your life? I think it was, you know, really knowing my craft. And one thing that Hootie did for me, Hootie was my mentor, obviously, that she did for me that was incredible was she's like, use your age as a weapon in the sense that, okay, what can you do that somebody like myself can't anymore? And I was like, I don't know. What is that? (laughs) And she, she, you know, she was alluding to the fact that I'm still fit. I'm still like strong. I can still do things physically that would demonstrate to the athletes that, you know, my competency and knowing something. So like I used to run conditioning with our, our teams. And that was something that built kind of some trust and some buy-in. And, you know, I think initially that was like the easiest and fastest way to bridge connection with them. It's like, oh, like she's in it with us. Like that she's, it's not like a, a them and us kind of situation. It's a together, like we're a team and we're, you know, like anything that she's asking us to do, she'll do herself. And then obviously just like, like studying and knowing what I was talking about. You know, I I coached initially a lot of male athletes and that was something where I was like, okay, I got to know my stuff because I'm coming from a perception of, you know, basically I'm like, I'm starting from negative and I got to, you know, show that I'm competent, show that I know I'm talking about. And I'm also confident. So not just competent, but like confident in what, how I'm delivering that. So I think those were some things I did early on, especially to like be known as a coach and not just like player that wanted to be in the weight room. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. And especially like the running with your kids, I think, I mean, I don't know a quicker way to get your kids respect than that as a coach. I think that that is, even if you don't do the whole thing, it's kind of just nice to be like, oh, because I think oftentimes players are like, they have no idea what they're putting us through. Like, I mean, I just remember being in locker rooms and being like, they're trying to kill us. They don't know what they're doing. Like, you know, all that, like those conversations that happen on the side because you feel like your coaches are out of touch. But when you're, I don't think you were there. You weren't there yet, but there was one summer that I was with working with women's basketball, Hootie was in charge and we were doing this. I was running conditioning. I was like on one of the relay teams and Hootie was in charge of the session. And it was like sprint down, sprint back and like throw this like little rubber ball to your partner. Yes. And that would (laughs) trigger the next person going. And I, it was like on the grass at 6am and we were all like wearing tennis shoes. So it was like super slippery. And I pulled my hamstring like super bad, like heard it pop was like on the ground. And I remember walking off and I had to be taken to the training room and who do you mean? Like, don't let any of your athletes see that you're injured. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, <"Ow."> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, but you know, that's just like obviously a funny aside. But um, th- that was that was ingrained in me really early on. It's like the importance of being in the trenches with the people that you're working with. Oh my gosh, that's. I mean, I'm so glad you're okay. But that is like, yeah, no, I'm fine. The fact that she said, "Don't let anyone see your injury." You're like, I'm actually in pain. I don't know if you can see. Me. <laughs> yeah, I was like barely. I was like barely walk. She's like, you. If you don't want them to be, you know, you want them to be tough when they're injured. I'm like. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, let me go to the training room. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, so you also mentioned how you struggled with an eating disorder as a coach. Can you talk about Mm -hmm. how that manifested in your life? Like, was that was that present while you were an athlete and it bled over? And also, like, knowing what that is like as a coach and probably an athlete, like, how do you handle kids that show signs of that? Yeah, it's interesting. I did not have that at all 
as a part of my, my time as an athlete, like, like I, I, I don't even think I was aware of what an eating disorder was. Like, I was just like, yeah, like, let's go. Like I trained hard and I worked hard and it was just like, never even something I thought about. And then I left and I became a coach and, you know, it was partly that I was living on my own for like the first time in my life. And I was like, a lot of things in my life felt very out of control. And so I sought control in something. My body happened to be that. And I was like, you know, thinking at first that I was doing all the right things that I was like working out really hard and I was counting macros and weighing myself. And I was like, I'm dialed in. Like, I feel great. And for the first like six to eight months, I'd say like, I, I did, I felt great and I looked great and I like looked fit. And then I started getting this positive reinforcement from colleagues being like, you look amazing. And, you know, as a strength coach, like you should look the part, you should look strong. You should look cut. Like what all these, you know, things say. And I was like, yeah, like, so it, for a while, like everything was clicking and then very quickly, everything was not okay. And it just got to a point where it just had spiraled kind of out of control. And I was just too thin in my body. Like I was losing hair and I was cold all the time. And I could just like feel myself kind of shutting down. I was just like lethargic. And um, I actually had an incredible mentor at Kansas who was our sports dietitian, who was my friend, Lauren. And she was the one that called me out and she was like, Hey, and she like now works with disordered eating uh, clientele on in a private practice. And she was like, Hey, something's, something's not right. And I, I can tell, I know the signs and she's sort of like the tough love kind of person, which is exactly what I needed. And so she was the first person to kind of help me work out of it. And I eventually did. I you know, met with a psychologist. I had her on my side. I had incredible support from my family and really kind of figured out what was going on there. But all that to say, having gone through that, it's not that I started to notice when athletes were going through it, but I talked about it pretty openly because I just didn't want somebody to make the same mistake I did. I was like, there's a very fine line between thinking that extra workouts and, and eating right are great. It's when it becomes an obsession, it becomes a, a method of control that it's too far. And so it was like being able to talk about that with my, my athletes was, it was very, very empowering for myself to be vulnerable with them like that, because I saw the fruits of that in when a couple of them would come forward and talk to me and ask to meet with me privately and not, not to like seek advice. Cause I'm not a professional, but like just to have a conversation about it. I mean, like I'm struggling with that too. And I'd be like, I've been there and I'm not telling you that you need to like, stop doing what you're doing. I'm not telling you what you need to do. I'm just telling you that you have somebody here who's willing to listen and who knows how hard it is. And it's not just a black and white answer. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. And I love how you mentioned that it was a control thing. It wasn't necessarily like you were trying to look a specific way. That wasn't necessarily it. It just came out of control. And I think a lot of people don't realize like that's how it happens for a lot of people. I didn't necessarily have an eating disorder. I definitely had disordered eating after I finished my mm -hmm. career at Kansas. I think I stayed for about two months after the season ended. And I tried to like replicate <laughs> workouts. I was never in like the main gym anymore. Like I was in the I was on the floor there, but I would go to like the union and work out and be just sheer amount of time I would spend there telling myself like, oh, like this is good for me, blah, blah, blah. And then like really not eating. <laughs> Specifically coming after like I had spoken to, I think my nutritionist or dietitian was Aaron at the time. And he had given me such a great foundation prior to me like ruining it. And I think it was just because I was like, there's a lot of change happening right now. And this seems like something I can focus on. And it just became too much. And so 
I think it's like for those who are listening, it does happen to the best of us sometimes. And sometimes it's not, we'll say it is, which is like, you're trying to look a specific way. It's just like, this is the one thing in your life that you can hold on to. And so you do, and you might, you know, just take it in a bad direction. You hit the nail on the head. It, like it's too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, when it's really, it's really kind of a weird space mentally to be in when you're supposed to be the professional on all things, health and wellness, and you can't even take care of yourself. You're like, what am I doing? Like, that's like, it was like really eye-opening to me when I was like, I'm supposed to be this like figurehead for what you're supposed to do with your body. Really? I mean, that's my job. And I wasn't even able to figure it out in myself. And that was when I was like, okay, I don't know everything. I need help. Everybody needs help. Coaches need coaches. You know, it's just everybody's struggling with something. I mean, it was as simple as that. And it was just, it made it so much easier to resonate with people. Like I was no longer a robot. I was like, I was real. I was a real person. Right. The last thing I want to ask you is you mentioned how it is important to have something that you're good at, even if, or like something that you're working towards, even if that doesn't mean like you're getting a lot of playing time and things like that. And so can you kind of explain that? I I think like, I think I get it, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it. And I think it will really help like our listeners kind of understand why that's so important. Yeah, I think. I didn't recognize it early on, but I was told by one of my coaches who really became sort of an advocate for me when they saw that I wasn't playing and I was really struggling with that. And they said, look, you're not going to want to hear this, but this is a team sport and in team sport, everybody has a role. I don't care if you like your role, but you need to accept your role until you're willing to put in the work to change it. I was like, okay, I don't really understand what that means. Like I was like, okay, conceptually maybe, but you know, at that moment I was like, okay, I can either, I can accept my role, which is that I was at the time on the bench and I was, you know, basically a practice player and then work to change it. And then I was like, okay, but even still, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of playing time. So it wasn't, it wasn't even that that was enough. So then I was like, okay, what else can I do? And then another suggestion that I heard at the time was like, well, what gap is there like what what does your team need right like can you fill that gap and this is actually something that's i'm just making this connection now this is like how business works right like if you want to be an entrepreneur you see a problem that exists in your life or in the world and you fill that gap like you can't just like put out a product and hope that you'll find an audience like no you need to have an audience and figure out what they need and even if that audience is yourself like fill fill that gap in your life so like I kind of use that approach in sports. Like, okay, what did my team need? Well, you know, like something I realized was they needed a, in my case, a goalkeeper that was strong in the air. And so I, I set out to figure out how to be stronger in the air, which in soccer terms just means like you can come up, you can grab a ball and command and be like a super big presence, especially on set pieces. And I was like, okay, how do you get stronger? And I started, sort of like started working backwards from there and then found that, oh, you get stronger in the weight room. Got it. Oh, I'm pretty good in the weight room. So I'm just like, I'm built to put on muscle, I guess you could say. And like, uh, there was a skill that I enjoyed. And so I, I found my, found my way that way, but th- it's different for everybody. But yeah, it's just like, it's figuring out multiple ways to attack a solution, not just trying to, you know, keep beating a, a dead horse, I guess. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that perspective because I feel like I mean, like you said, that's business. But I also feel like as someone who also didn't necessarily always have the role that I wanted I and mean, had to kind of figure out ways to make that work for me, that's something that I take into 
life in general. Like I'm a much better problem solver. I am, I think a lot more optimistic in the sense of like, this is not working well for me and I don't sit there for too long. I'm like, okay, what else can we do? And I feel like if you're not put in those situations in college athletics or just at a younger age, you, it's yeah. a muscle you have to work on. And so it is beneficial. Yeah. Like even, even when you think it's not working for you in the grand scheme of your life, it is working for you to kind of be in these situations that are tougher. Absolutely. You're, you're growing skills. So you don't even know you're growing at the time, but adaptability is like, look at our world. Like, those who are adaptable right now are thriving. And those who can't adapt are the ones that we see falling behind. So yeah, you're right. Like I honestly like I'm so thankful that I didn't start and that I had to problem solve my way to playing time or problem solve my way to a different path because otherwise it would have been easy. And people who have life easy for them, they're missing out. This is all I can say. Truly. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for your time. You've given so much good information and I know my audience will really appreciate it. I hope they really do listen to this and over and over again because it's good stuff. Thank you, Sydney. I had so much fun today. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I really enjoyed chatting with Allie. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. I learned a lot from it. Like there's so much value that can be provided just from listening to this. So if you need to go listen to it again, feel free to. Also, if you found value from it, please share it. I know there's some people that you know that you think could benefit from this. So it'd be really helpful. But with that said, let's go ahead and hop into housekeeping. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. It means so much to me. Again, if you enjoyed it, please share it, subscribe and leave a review. That's the quickest way for this podcast to grow. And if you'd like to get more involved with us at RCA, please follow us on Instagram and on YouTube. We're most active there. We are no longer doing solo casts on Thursdays, but if you're interested in the solo cast content, please consider giving to us on Patreon. That is where I will be putting all other solo cast content. So if you give on a recurring basis, you have access to those there. Finally, we have a monthly newsletter. And so if you're interested, it's a non-spammy newsletter, one time a month just providing additional value to you, please feel free to sign up in the description box below. There'll be a link to put your email address there. All in all, that's all I have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and I'll talk to you guys next week.